and Dennis Stewart joining us today. And Dennis, what have we got on the program for today? Well, Jane, I think we'll carry on from our discussion that we had uh, last week as I was talking with you prior to coming onto the program. I mentioned that uh, even my brother took note of our discussion on homeopathy and a number of my patients and clients that I've seen during the week were interested and somewhat fascinated in the whole concept of homeopathy and the discussion that we had. So um, I think it's probably worthwhile moving from that to look at the association, say, that uh, herbalism, as it's called, has to homeopathy. What is the connection? Is there a connection? This is Health Naturally, and we do it for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre, and we're taking your calls on 49216216 if you've got a question you'd like to put to Dennis. Uh, but in the meantime, Dennis, um, herbalism and homeopathy we've been talking about. Well, look, it's, a, it's an interesting um, discussion. Um, homeopathy, as we said last week, is based on a law of cure, like cures like. And I think that's the big differentiating factor. Herbalism, however, is more interested in the tradition associated with using herbs over the centuries, and more recently is more interested in locating in the herb the nutritional or therapeutic properties of the herb that make it useful in addressing disease. So you would say that while sometimes homeopathy and herbalism use the same herbs, they use them on different bases. Uh, Homeopathy, like cures like. Um, Herbal medicine, on the basis of the chemical constituents that a herb has, uses that knowledge to address a disease process. Similarly, I would suspect, to the way in which modern medicine works. So there is a connection, but the two are quite separate and uh, are used in many situations to address diseases quite differently. Now, we do have a comment that's come in Mm. from a caller, Dennis, and he says that he was told by his doctor to soak four dried apricots in water overnight. And he's done that for a long time. (laughs) And he's wondering, well, he has no more arthritis problems. So what's in the apricots, he says? Well, did he say whether it was the apricots or the apricot seed? Uh, He says dried apricots. Okay, because... Dried apricot seeds are very popularly used, and not that I encourage it, I say this, but they're popularly used by some people in an attempt uh, to fight their cancer uh, because apricot kernels contain um, basically a crude poisonous substance and people taking it don't frequently recognise this and the poisonous substance in it if there is any benefit associated with the apricot kernel, and I doubt it, is more working along chemotherapy lines than any health lines. So I'm not sure where this patient is coming from. I suspect um, there would be some connection between what we know about uh, apricots. They belong to a family where, okay, the kernels contain uh, crude toxin, uh, which I discourage people from using, but the actual fruit itself probably contains, well, we know that the, the, the leaf of apricot, for instance, is used in medicine, or my system of medicine, to abort serious coughing. So it may be that the apricot fruit has some benefit based on the chemistry that's in the leaf. But to be honest, I've not heard that. It's a little bit left field. I'm interested 
that his medical practitioner recommended it. Um, I'd be interested to know whether his medical practitioner was ethnic or, um, how can you call it, Australian trained. Some of the ethnic doctors are bringing into mainstream medicine some of their own traditional medicine practices, which is good. Mm. So I'd like to really know why this gentleman is using the apricots, soaking them overnight, uh, what sort of benefit he's got from it. He claims that he's uh, free of, of arthritis. Well, that's great, and I'll encourage him to keep doing that. But I'll have to give it a little thought to find out uh, if there is a better explanation as to what might be in the apricot fruit. Right, thank you, Dennis. And our caller didn't want to come on air, so oh, that's, uh, that's why we that's, can't that's ask him at this that's stage. But 49216216, Peter has rung in from Katara, and gum disease is the subject. Hello, Peter. Hi, how are you going? Hello, Peter. G'day, mate. How are you doing? I'm well indeed. How are you? Uh, well, you know, it's mm. um, <clears throat> got this sort of uh, bit of a problem, mate. I've had five teeth pulled out in the last three weeks. Yes. And um, apparently I've got this gum disease, and over the years I've taken um, yeah. our flavonoids and, yeah. and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. you know. And um, so but got... what I'm ringing about is last, last mm-hmm. week I had two teeth pulled out. Yes, yes. And then on the Saturday, like, I got a really bad headache on the Friday night, mm. and I couldn't shake it, and I went to bed, and I woke up Saturday morning feeling like I'd had a massive headache. Yes. But as the day wore on, I got really, really, really crook. Mm. Like, I started getting hot and cold shivers, and yes. I'm as fit as a Mally Bull and fit as a fiddle sort of thing, but yes. it just sort of came over me type of thing, but yet Sunday morning I woke up as good as gold. Okay. And it's just sort of played on me mind a bit, so I was just wondering what your thoughts are on that or what do you think could have caused it well it, when you get a fever and, 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 and tremor uh, that in, tends to indicate some level of infection yeah, and yep. it, it could have been that you uh, experienced a mild infection episode subsequent to the procedure and because you are as you say as fit as a Mali bull your own immune system was able to get onto it pretty quickly that, that sounds to be a reasonable explanation. The fact that you uh, didn't experience any ongoing discomfort um, tends to support that hypothesis that it was just a, a short, acute, perhaps infectious episode triumphed by your own immune system. But I'll say something to you. From what you've been telling me, it looks as though you've had a, a history of gingivitis or, or gum disease. Um, yeah, I have. My mother yeah. My mother actually yeah. had all her teeth removed yeah. when she was about 40 years of age. Well, all I'd say here is that that's a bit of a pity because um, a lot of people do not realise that there is one specific herb that aborts gingivitis. And I have demonstrated this. I had a chap uh, who was in desperate straits with this condition from Dora Creek. And I gave him the information that I'll give to listeners now. And he blesses me to this day because uh, whenever he gets any indications of recurrence of it, he does just what I'm going to tell you. The first thing you need to realize is that if you study our literature, and particularly the British Herbal Pharmacopoeia, you'll find that one of the oldest herbs known to mankind called myrrh, M-Y-R-R-H. Myrrh, in a liquid form known as tincture of myrrh, when regularly used orally, particularly to address gingivitis, will see the infection take up and frequently cause the condition to so retreat that gum disease will lessen dramatically. And when that is reinforced, when that is reinforced by a regular ongoing use 
of concentrated bioflavonoids and vitamin C, you put that combination together, regular use of tincture of myrrh with medication, bioflavonoids and vitamin C, and I've been in this profession a long time, I'd be the most surprised person if down the track you didn't get back and say, hang on, something happened here, my gingivitis is not asserting itself as it was before. You try it. And this is Health Naturally on 2NURFM, and we're doing it for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's Herbal Medicine Centre in New Lambton. And uh, just a quick report of another traffic incident as well as the Thornton one. Derby Street, Newcastle has one, a broken-down truck. Police are on the scene doing traffic control. Now, Dennis, uh, apricots have been such an interesting topic already today, and Larry the Apricot Man joins us now to tell us a bit more about it. Larry. Hello. Hello, Larry. Hi, hi, Dennis. Um, I did ring up earlier. I didn't have time to hang around. But, look, a friend of mine had to have a hip um, replacement, and um, he was overweight, so... They put the operation off, and the doctor told him that he must um, lose some weight. Yes. And while um, while he was dieting, the doctor suggested that he soak four dried apricots in like a half a cup, three quarters of a cup of water overnight, and repeat that daily. So you get that 24-hour cycle. Now, obviously, the, the apricots swell up, and they give out a nectar of some sort. And at the time, my hip was terrible. I couldn't lift my left leg up. I couldn't get mm-hmm. my shoelaces. I couldn't do anything with it. And um, so I tried the theory with the apricots and um, that was 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. It's just a bit vague on that, but um, it was a long time ago and I haven't looked back. I bet you've got an apricot tree in your backyard. Uh, <laughs> well, they're not, they're not cheap. I'd buy the Angus Park and they're about $12 a kilo. But, okay. Look, I've... Um, I've been, t- I've been talking to Jade a little bit about this. Um, apricot belongs to a particular family, the same as, yeah. as plums and things like that. And I do know that um, in the leaf of that family, there's what's called a cyanogenic glycoside. Now, I know that's technical, and that's why, that's why the leaf and, and the bark of this family are frequently used in, in stubborn cough conditions in our profession. The only thing that I can suggest is an explanation for this is that the apricot might contain an anti-inflammatory principle which may derive itself uh, from the bioflavonoidal content. Most most fruits that have colourful skins contain some form of bioflavonoid. Now, bioflavonoids, bioflavonoids are well known as having some anti-inflammatory characteristics. And if that is so, a regular use of them would be giving to you, I suspect, a, a, a small but useful dose of anti-inflammatory principles which over a period of time may well have subdued the inflammatory activity around the joint and overcome any need for any further procedure. That may be an explanation. I'll look further into it, but the listeners should be aware of the fact that uh, many of the fruits we eat that have colours on, on the skin, oranges, apricots, plums, cherries, they all contain um, bioflavonoidal substances of various names and one of the characteristics of them is that they do have some anti-inflammatory benefits. 
And it sounds as though we will be looking forward to some more information yeah, on that. Yeah, it's interesting. Here's the apricot. We'll do a little bit of work on that, but I'm glad Larry rang in. Because, yeah, that's great. Uh, that information is useful to me and to listeners. Yes, indeed. And 49216216 is the number to get your question through to Dennis Stewart today. And Pat has rung in from Valentine. Stress and anxiety, eh? Yes. Mm. Hello, Pat. Oh, hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm not too bad, good, but good. it's a good friend of mine, and she's having a lot of trouble pre- at present with stress and anxiety. Oh, dear, 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 dear. And uh, the doctor has recommended uh, one of the SSRIs. Oh, yes. Serotonin. Um, yes, uh, yeah. and I'm just, and both of us are wondering, is there some, it seems when you find out about these things, there's so many sort of negative possible side effects you mm. sort of feel maybe is there some natural okay. product that could be a help well with, with these um, conditions always pat one has to be uh, guided by the diagnostic conclusion that the gp has made uh-huh. mm-hmm. um, so if there is a severe anxiety condition it mm-hmm. may it may warrant uh, the filling out of the prescription and giving it a try um, uh-huh. on the other hand on the other hand uh, many patients and people see me uh, with what you might refer to as stress and anxiety conditions, mm-hmm. and, and I've found that there are two herbs that very, very frequently can take the edge off the condition and lessen the need to go down the pathway of stronger pharmaceuticals. And those mm-hmm. two herbs, one of them is the herbs and John's wort. Oh, and, I've heard of that. And, and, and that's a very competitive remedy, even with some of the mainstream um, uh-huh. remedies. Uh, it's, it's more associated with uh, mood problems, uh, more associated with depressional tendencies, but it's worthwhile giving a go even in anxiety. But the one, the one that I have great confidence in, and I, and I mean great confidence, yeah. is the, is the uh, South Pacific herb known as kava. Oh, no, if is that not that strong yes, drink they yes, have, is it? Yes, but you, you, don't have to, you don't have to take it in that form. Oh, right, can, okay, can, I'll tell her that. You can go to a pharmacy um, or a health food store and get modern uh, preparations of oh, carver so. in, in, in so. a tableted form. Uh-huh. And, and if you were to Google up carver, you would find that it would have three clinical indications, mm-hmm. uh, depression, insomnia, and anxiety. Oh. And depending on the dose that you use... Um, you can get a benefit with any of those. But what I would suggest is that if your patient is concerned about going down the pathway of pharmaceuticals, she should discuss her consideration with her GP and discuss with him uh, giving some of the softer medication that I've mentioned a try with the GP monitoring it. I'm sure, I'm sure... Um, the GP would be quite happy to do that if he was con- if he considered her level of anxiety was such that it could be given a chance to respond oh, to right. a softer option. Remember the herbs: St John's Wort Board. and Carver. Right. Well, thanks ever so much. It's I'll a tell pleasure. Good afternoon. To a Health Naturally, and we are taking your calls from uh, Dennis Stewart. Is yeah. Having a wonderful time talking about all these these questions. And I think we've got Adrian on the line. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Hello, Adrian. How are you going, Doctor? Uh, How are you? Good. My elderly father has contracted the bullious femphoigoid, which is a nervous where your entire body is covered in blisters. Yes, that's a nasty condition. Absolutely horrible thing. What we can't find is anything at all to control the itch. Um, What has your doctor prescribed? 
Um, nothing. He says there is nothing. Is your, has your father been um, given any steroid, oral steroid? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes. He's definitely on steroids. He's in hospital, in hospital for a month. And um, is, is he still on oral steroid? Yes, yes. What dose? Oh, up to 75. That's a high dose, but he would probably yep. need to be on that to control this wretched thing. Yep. Look, yeah, no, we've managed to control that to a certain extent. Obviously, it's playing havoc with his blood sugar. He's on yes, insulin of now. Course, of course. But the itch, we've tried everything from rolled oats bath mm -hmm. to to okay. Finergan to anything you can think of, we've tried, and we just can't control it, and it's driving him absolutely bonkers. Okay, so you've tried the antihistamine approach. Yep. And you've you've tried the, uh, the brand baths and things like yep. that, and you've got no luck. Look, None whatsoever. Look, it's a long shot. It's a long shot, uh, yep. but it might be worthwhile thinking about it. There are a group of remedies that I'm a great fan of, and I frequently mention them in my talks. Uh, they are substances known as bioflavonoids. Right. Now, bioflavonoids have remarkable properties in a number of areas. One of them is that they do have a natural uh, anti-inflammatory and antihistamine effect, and secondly, they tend to be very useful in addressing skin diseases characterised by itch. For instance, if I have a patient who presents with a chronic dermatological condition such as an eczema or a dermatitis, one of my approaches will be to recommend that they use bioflavonoids, and I develop a product particularly for this called Flavor Blend. So what I'm going to suggest is that uh, you go to your health food store, and you've got a good health food store in Maitland. Yep. Go there and ask for some concentrated bioflavonoids, and yep. one and one of them must be quercetin. I'll spell it for you. Yeah. Q u e r c e t i n. Quercetin. Right. Now it will not clash with any medication that your right. doctor has given him. I'm sure of that. Um, yep. And it's uh, they're a nutritional principle. It's worthwhile giving a go. It's a long shot, but it might I just help. I won't try anything at the moment. It might just... Look, try this for this week. If you're not yeah. doing any better than that, ring me next week, and during this week I'll go through my case uh, files and see if there is anything additional that I've used to address this occasional condition, occasional yeah. condition that I see over the years. Try that as a start. Well, thanks, thanks for your call, Adrian, and let's hope we get to the bottom of this. Now, Apricot's back on the agenda again, oh, Dennis. Oh, here we go. 49216216 is the call. And Heather's rung in from Barnsley. Hello, Heather. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Heather. How are you? Good, thank you. Good. It's a little bit different to the apricot tree that you eat. Yes. I have a wild apricot tree, which they call it a gummy gummy tree. Okay. And we got it from sapphire, the oh. seeds, and I grew the tree. I've got four here now, but... They're getting seeds now, right. but I, when we're up there, they told us that you could boil the leaves yeah. and drink it when you've got cancer. I well, was just wondering if you heard anything. Yeah, well, I was, I was just mentioning, to, I mentioned this earlier on the program, that um, a lot of people are using um, the, the kernels of the apricot tree for this purpose. And from they, the gummy gummy tree or the, the, one, the, the one you eat? Just from the apricot, but right. if, if it is a member of the apricot genus, it would have a similar chemistry. They, I know it's in the Aboriginal book. Yeah, they, all be, they all belong to what's called the prunus mm. genus. So if it's a member of the prunus genus, yep. it would have what's called a cyogenic, a cyogenic glycoside. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but that is a chemical constituent which is very, very, very potent. Right. Now, I discourage people uh, from using anything in an amateur way 
to address cancer. Yes. But I do know, I do know that people are using the kernels and the leaves, mm-hmm. and I discourage them from doing that because um, the kernels in particular contain a very serious and, and crude toxin, which uh, which wouldn't be wise to use. It could actually poison. Right. So I know people are doing it. I know people are desperate. Um, but I'd say be cautious because the tree, its leaves, and particularly its seed, contains a very significant toxin. Oh, okay. You don't know of anything else you can use it for? Nothing? Well, uh, uh, look, uh, it's, it's, it's a great fruit to eat. Mm. Um, but, you uh, can't eat this one. It doesn't get fruit. It just gets the seed. I, I wouldn't, mm. I wouldn't under any yeah. circumstances mm. recommend it because, again, I come back to the point that the glycoside mm. in it yeah. is is well defined and whilst it does have therapeutic properties it's um it's potentially a toxin particularly if you're using the kernel oh okay then well thanks for your call that's heather that's really interesting well, there are lots of interesting well look to, to, to be fair it it um, belongs to a family um there's a tree known as, as the wild cherry uh prunus vulgaris it belongs to the same family and its chemistry is harnessed to address very, very serious and stubborn coughs. And I've used wild cherry bark all my professional life uh, to address coughs that have been unresponsive to mainstream medical approaches. And that's a legitimate use of using a member of the Prunus family. But using the apricot in these experimental and sinister ways, in my opinion, can only end up in trouble. Yes, good advice there. Now, uh, 49216216 is the hotline for your questions. Dot has rung in from North Lambton. And is it gingivitis again, Dot? Gingivitis, yes. Hello? Oh, hello. Hello, Dot. No, it's Bernie, yeah. Oh, Bernie, is oh, it? Oh, Bernie, okay. Okay, was well, actually down with a different name. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry. that's all right. How can we help now, you? Now, I heard you talking mm-hmm. about um, gingivitis. Yes. Well, I have bleeding gums. Yes. And uh, I had heard about uh, oil pulling yeah. with coconut oil. Oh. You, do you know anything about no, that? No, I don't. Have you oh, used, you don't. Have you used it? Um, well, uh, you just... Uh, yes, I have, but I don't, don't know much about it. Okay, look... I'll go back to what I said earlier. Gingivitis or gum disease is a a medical condition. Sometimes I've found that it is very responsive when managed at two levels, and one of those levels is to use a regular mouthwash preparation based on tincture of myrrh, which is referred to in our literature as specific for that condition, and secondarily, an ongoing taking of concentrated bioflavonoids, such as uh, flavour blend, um, as oral medication to support the topical treatment, has seen many of my patients over the years do better with their gingivitis than what they previously did. So if, if I if Would I had it come gingivitis, from amalgam fillings or yeah. anything like that. Oh, look, there could be numerous hypotheses as to what uh, may or may not cause it. I I, I have amalgam. Uh, fillings and they've never given me any, gingi- any gingivitis. Look, I think we have to be cautious. The, the dental profession knows more about this, obviously, than I do, but yeah. from a pragmatic perspective, I and found that it works. And you were talking about myrrh. Myrrh. What M- is that? I've never heard of it. You haven't? Oh, I have heard of it, but I don't know much about it. Well, what was one of the things that was brought to Jesus when he was born? Oh, right. Myrrh. It's, the, it's one of the oldest herbs known to mankind, and it has some of the most remarkable uh, antibiotic, antiseptic, 
and healing characteristics. And so in most herbal medicine traditions, particularly associated with Middle East herbalism, Arabian herbalism, Ayurvedic herbalism, myrrh is harnessed for its benefits, particularly orally, where it has a dramatic effect in gum disease. And uh, I've used it for about 30 years to address that. So how do you use it? Well, what okay. is it, in tablet it, it, form? Or? No, no. In order to get the benefit, it comes in an old-fashioned form known as tincture. Now, All right. tincture basically means a liquid preparation uh, where the chemistry of the herb is taken into solution in a stable form. And that tincture then is uh, mixed with a small amount of water and used as a, a mouthwash, uh, swishing it, so to speak, around the gums once or twice a day. I make a little mixture and I put some glycerin with it in order to uh, accelerate the adhesiveness around the area. Um, so taken as, a, as an oral medicine preparation, uh, a tincture with a little bit of uh, dilutant a couple of times a day and reinforced by the bioflavonoids, if I had gingivitis, that's the way that I'd go. Oh, thank you very much, because that sounds much easier than the coconut pulling. This is Health Naturally. We've still got a space or two for your question on 49216216 if you'd like to put a question on feeling good to Dennis Stewart. And in the meantime, we've been talking about um, pharmaceuticals, or we've been talking about herbs, Dennis mm. Stewart, but um, a lot of pharmaceuticals do actually come from herbs, don't they? Uh, absolutely. Well put. In fact, uh Listeners may be surprised to know that some of our most important pharmaceuticals are in fact derived from herbs. Two of the most important drugs used in cancer management uh, by oncologists are derived from herbs. Vincristin and Vinblastin uh, are two alkaloids that are extracted from the Vinca family, the periwinkle family. Mm. And uh, without those two substances, where would we be as far as some aspects of cancer management are concerned? Also, uh, there is a drug called uh, Taxol. Uh, It's also used in cancer management, and it comes from the American tree uh, Taxus Baccata. The list could go on. Probably one of the best-known medications derived from herbs is the uh, the medication uh, used for congestive cardiac failure, Um, the substance known as digoxin, which forms the basis of many medications, such as lenoxin, that is a glycoside extracted from um, digitalis or foxglove. And one of the greatest discoveries in medicine was associated with the work of a Dr. William Withering, who noticed that people in Shropshire in the United Kingdom, when they were experiencing what was called dropsy, which we now know as congestive cardiac failure, they used to brew up um, foxglove, and they, the fluid retention would dissipate and they'd breathe a little bit easier. And so rather than be an ignorant person, he took it on board and discovered that digitalis had a constituent in it known as a cardiac glycoside. And from that, the modern pharmaceutical industry extracted the herb. And from that, we get modern medications used to treat one of the most common conditions that our general practitioners and cardiologists see. And the list goes on and on and on. And on and on. <laughs> so we've still got time for a call or two more. And Judith's rung in from Valentine. Hello, Judith. Hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Judith. How are you? Good, thank you. How are you? I'm well indeed. Um, I take six fish oil a day, which I 
got from you, found out from you because I saw you about 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, was it? Yes. Well, I'm still around. Uh, there, there's I'm still a, there's, a, there's a, a rumour spreading that I have, uh, have gone to heaven. <laughs> oh, no, I have no, patients no, coming back saying, "Oh, I thought you were dead," or so 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 and so said that you you'd passed on. Well, I said, uh, "Well, I'm still hanging around." Um, no, I even knew you went to different stations. I'm oh, glad okay. you're back here. I'm okay. glad you're on here now. Okay, so how can I help you? Well, I want to know if hmm. someone has told me now since I, I should be taking cod liver oil as well, or instead, is that right? Look. Um, Cod liver oil is an old-fashioned favourite because it contains a lot of vitamin A and vitamin D and has been used in the past, and I still recommend it for people with weak chests, um, people in the past that had um, you know, very, very severe respiratory conditions uh, would use uh, cod liver oil for those purposes. Now, remember, cod liver oil is extracted from the liver of the cod. When we're talking about fish oils... We're talking about oils extracted from just not the liver, but from the fish itself. Oh, and, and fish oil contains substances that we refer to as EPAs. I won't try to pronounce it, which is a different and more explicit chemistry to that which is found in cod liver oil. So the fish oils are mainly used to address joint problems, are mainly used to address uh, cholesterol problems, whereas cod liver oil, is used mainly as a supplement for people with respiratory conditions who like to take something in wintertime to get a good dose of vitamin A and vitamin D. And interestingly also, and this is quite interesting, cod liver oil was used by the Greeks in conjunction with honey as a basis for treating ulcers. And in my Melderma honey ointment, it incorporates that association, honey and cod liver oil. If you're using fish oils, use them as you, as, you, as you do. You probably don't need to do anything with cod liver oil. That's what I thought, but someone said I, that I should be taking that as well. Well, look, if you listen to what people say you should yes. be taking, you'd go into a health food store or pharmacy and come out broke, wouldn't you? You certainly would, <laughs> wouldn't you? Okay, thanks, Judith, for your call. And last call, Ted has rung in from Greta. Hello, Ted. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well, indeed. How are you? I'm fine. Good, good. Hot I up there? To, I just wanted to talk about mm. pyrrole disorder. Do you know anything about that? Not much. I heard it uh, being spoke about on the radio some time ago. I looked it up on the internet. It's a disorder which um, some children have, and it uh, causes um, lack of learning, let's say, inability to learn. Mm-hmm. Know anything, Look, about that? I have had a, a, a number of patients recently mention that and mm-hmm. have paid a fair amount of money uh, by way of following up investigation. I'm not an expert on it, Ted. I've never found it something that uh, has played a big part in my interpretation of kids' problems. Mm-hmm. So, no, look, I'm not, I'm not familiar too much with it, Ted. The treatment um, suggested on the website was uh, zinc and vitamin B6. Yeah, well, look, all all I would say is um, those two substances are very innocuous. Uh, They're not going to hurt anyone. But Mm -hmm. to me, it sounds a little bit simplistic, and that's only to me, though. And what I'd say to you and all listeners, of course, is be very cautious of what you read on the net. Um, Sometimes it's not quite uh, what it seems. 
Well, thanks very much for that question too. And uh, thank you very much, Dennis Stewart, because we're pretty well at the end of oh, Health Naturally pity. today. So we just have to continue the conversation we next will indeed. week. We will indeed. On 2NURFM.